Welcome to Straight Talk with NDFB. This is your host, Emery Melhoff. And Alicia Noor. We are your Farm Bureau duo bringing you your competitive edge. Today we visit with Randy Martinson of Martinson Egg Risk Management. Randy grew up on a family grain and livestock farm in rural Milner, North Dakota, where he farmed for 10 years following his graduation. In 2016, Randy became one of the founders of Martinson Egg Risk Management. Randy became well-known for his introductory marketing education series for marketing clubs, where he introduces complex marketing strategies in a simple, straightforward manner. In today's episode, Randy visits with us about all things marketing. We talk about whether the crop market has hit its bottom and what this next year is going to look like. We talk about the cattle market and building U.S. cattle herds. And we talk about marketing strategies that you can bring to your operation to make it its most profitable. Join us for this episode. Welcome to Straight Talk with NDFB. Today, Alicia and I are visiting with Randy Martinson of Martinson Egg. Hi, Randy. Hey, how's it going? Oh, we're doing good. We're looking outside and questioning whether it's February or whether we should be planting right now. Oh, isn't that the truth? This is certainly, we're certainly gaining back uh, some of the, the heartache that we've had the last two winters. Uh, this winter certainly has been a very good one and, and one that, yeah, has everybody thinking we could be looking at an early spring. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting, like when you think about the moisture situation, we just can't, as farmers, we just like can't be happy, you know, because <laughs> like on one <laughs> hand, it's like, oh, it's nice outside. On the other hand, drought, you know, so. Droughts in the wintertime are always good, though, because that means we're, we're not moving snow. And so it's, you know, once you get into May is when you don't want the drought situation to continue. But, you know, right now it, it looks like we are going to be, you know, set up for possibly an early spring getting in the fields. Hopefully we get some good timely rains because, you know, what we picked up in December for most of the state, I don't think is going to be enough to be able to make a full crop. But if we can get some timely rains, I think we can, uh, last year proved it, we can produce a pretty good crop. Randy, before we jump into details of marketing and making decisions for the spring, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your company, Martinson Egg, you know, when you started it and the services that you that you offer? Sure. Um, we started, you know, Martinson Egg, I believe it was about eight years ago. Um, what we do is you know, risk management for farmers. We do the futures and options trading. We do uh, the advisory for helping the market grain throughout the year. And then we do crop insurance as well. So we do the, the risk management items that have impact the farmer's decisions on what to sell, how to protect themselves, and, and basically to be able to make enough uh, or you know generate enough revenue to get the bills paid. And so that's kind of what our focus is. We do it on you know all the major grains. We also work with you know, the cattle side where we do the LRP and the PRF insurance. So we kind of deem ourselves as the risk management specialist for farmers. Yeah, and my family's worked with you throughout the years and been a valuable tool on our operation. So appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you. It's uh, it'll actually be now this will be the 30th year that I'll be entering into doing the crop marketing side. And uh, I'll be doing it'll be 25 years for doing crop insurance. So it's uh, I, I've been doing it a lot longer than I thought I'd ever do anything in my life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's talk a little bit about that crop marketing side, you know, you see on the headlines and, and different 
different marketing reports, people asking the question, when are the crop markets going to hit their bottom? I looked today and I saw some green on the chart. Do you think do you think that bottom's been hit and we're on our way up or? Well, you know, I, I think we're close. I think we've got a lot less downward left in this market, but I'd like to think that we've done it now that we've put the bottom in. We've got some signals that show that we possibly could have, especially when you look at one, you know, the volatility in the market has increased and that's usually the sign of a change in the trend. You also are looking at, you know, some more news starting to come in that's a little bit more friendlier, especially when you look at South America. You know, the the average estimates that we're getting from uh, CONAB and, and from boots on the ground in South America are a lot different than the estimates that we're getting from USDA. And that leads us to, you know, the, the trade is trading USDA numbers while everybody else is looking at CONAB. So I think there's going to be a true up or some evening up of those numbers. And right now it does look like from what I'm hearing from guys in South America, the crop is a lot less than anticipated. So I think that could help bring some demand around. Our trouble, you know, it falls in also in line that, you know, everybody's in a little bit of a recession or a little bit of economic trouble in a lot of the other countries. So their buying power is lost a little bit, especially with the strength of our dollar. So I, I do think we've got some signs that are showing that we're looking at a bottom. Uh, I definitely think that, you know, we don't, we normally don't bottom markets in the spring. We normally see the highs and at least some you know, risk premium put into them. And I think we're waiting for that to happen now. A little bit lost because usually it's this time of year where I'm calling all the elevators up and putting orders in. And so it's, it's a little bit, you know, like, what are we supposed to do right now? <laughs> um, so, so what is your advice for people that are, are looking at? spring planting decisions and yeah, I mean, you know, patience. <laughs> and I know that, that that's hard sometimes to have, especially after seeing what we've seen. But, you know, I do think that we've got 35 to 50 cents that can come in the wheat and in the corn market. I'll look at wheat first. I mean, wheat is actually showing us in the cash market that things are starting to turn a little bit because we've lost our carry in the market. Wheat actually has turned to be, you know, even months, each month is close to the same price. Or it's inverted where the front month is higher. And that tells us that, you know, can, they need cash now or they need to, they're trying to encourage farmers to sell cash. The price isn't there to encourage it, but it's giving us a signal that we could start to see a little turn in that market. Corn is a little bit different. We've got plentiful stocks. We Corn does not have to push. Corn acres are going to drop this year. But I think with the lower potential in, in the Safrina corn crop, we are going to see a little more demand come into play for. U.S. corn, and I think that will help uh, chew through some of our bushels and help get our stock estimate down a little bit. And I do think, you know, that market needs to put in a little bit of a premium. Over in the soybean side, I think that's going to come a little slower. You know, Brazil is harvesting, their yields are poor. Um, it, they look like they're going to be 15 to 20 percent less than last year. But China's demand is also off a little bit. Now, they've been on holiday for the last week, so I would expect they'll come in and start buying, especially with our little bit lower prices. So I do think that beans really won't see any big movement until April or May, but I do think that corn and soybeans should see something move sooner. Yeah, it's interesting just taking a step back and thinking about marketing in general. Growing up on a farm, obviously, and then coming in and, and being a partner on the farm and helping make decisions and selling my own crop, you know that the global picture affects the markets, but you know, maybe it's just because I'm in my 30s now, but <laughs> it's interesting. You know, you think you start thinking about it. You're like, oh, yeah, China's been off partying with the new year and 
Brazil is what combining right now, you said, and uh, or Argentina is and all of these different different factors. And and you start looking at that and, and really thinking about, OK, what what are the factors that affect the markets and how do we you know make good decisions when our occupation really is determined by forces that we can't control, et cetera, it definitely puts you in a different spot, you know, thinking headwise. Exactly. I mean, yeah, we no longer can look in our backyard and engage what's going to happen with the markets or what's going to happen with the, you know, the, each crop. We have to look at South America, you know, and South America now is the world's largest exporter of corn. They're the largest exporter of soybeans. Uh, they're the largest producer of uh, soybeans. You know, right now, Russia is the largest exporter of wheat. So right now, we you know, we need to watch those areas to kind of gauge what direction our markets could possibly go. And then we have to look at, you know, who our biggest buyers are and what their their economy is doing, you know, like China, which, you know, like you said, has been out partying for the last week. And now they'll come back to town and they'll realize that they're short of supply and need to start getting some things booked and brought in. That's going to make an impact. We have to look at you know, Mexico is another big demand of ours. Uh, what's going on there, especially with their drought and their need to import. And then now with uh, Japan now going into officially into a recession, that also has an impact on what could possibly happen with our markets as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's a lot different than looking across the fence at my neighbor's corn and or what he's planting and being like, oh, yeah, looks like a bad crop. So I'll sh- I should be doing good. So <laughs> but that's, yeah. that just shows why it's so important to have somebody you can trust in the marketing world and know who your people are that can kind of keep an eye out on that. Because I sure don't have time to research China's partying and, <laughs> and buying habits <laughs> on the daily. So that's why people like yourselves are, yep. are so valuable to have. So. Yeah, and that's that's yeah, and that's what we look at, you know, every day is just, you know, where the who's making what sales, where's going what's going where, whose economy's doing what, and you know, a lot of geopolitical things that you wouldn't think would make any difference, you know, do make an influence in the market. Surprising, you know, that the you know, the war with Ukraine and Russia has kind of faded away. But we have to look at logistics. That's another problem with the Houthis and with them attacking the boats and the red uh sea area, that also is impacting our shipments, which is causing our product to be more expensive to ship to other countries. So that that's another aspect that we have to watch and, and see when that can kind of subside or, or get better so that we can then be competitive on uh, the shipping routes. So touching on the grains just a little bit more before we switch over to the cows, do you, so booking seed, etc., is it obvious to you that we should plant more of corn, more of wheat, or should we just plant, I don't know, small beans or something? <laughs> like, what are, what are, I, I know you touched on that a little bit, but what are you? You know, I mean, that, I mean, that's a good question. And normally what happens when, you know, producers get in the field and they start planting and once things, you know, if things are going good uh, when they start, you know, and that's usually with wheat, barley, corn, uh, you always plant more of the crop you start with than, because things are going so good, you just don't stop. You just keep going. So um, right now, it, I would expect that as far as the northern plains are concerned, we're going to look at probably less wheat because of the, the price and because of guys being frustrated. I think we'll see more corn, uh, especially in the southern regions of North Dakota, the southern third. But I think beans and, and uh, canola will kind of grab the attention north. You know, and, you know, and I mean by north, anything above uh, interstate 94, uh, we'll see 
more canola and, and more soybeans planted. I think sunflowers will see a little bit of a, of a suffering because of their where their price is at. They're trying to get some good contracts out there. Same with edible beans. Edible beans could see a little bit of an increase because of some good contracts offered. So I right now, I, I would say, you know, I would lean my rotation maybe towards putting in a little more corn. I'm a little more optimistic with that market. Uh, and then beans, I think, are, are you'd be the next choice. And should we be thinking about if we don't get those timely rainfalls come May with the amount of snowfall that we currently have on the ground? Is that something that we should be keeping in mind of what we're planting this spring? Oh, I think so. I mean, you know, if we stay in this dry pattern, you know, normally we can see the weather break in the second part of our growing season, which that would lean maybe the beans could do a little bit better and, and some of the early season crops might suffer a little bit more. You know, so that's one thing to look at as far as, far as looking at planting. I, you know, I do think if we get a couple of decent, you know, rains, we're going to be sitting pretty good with crops getting started. July and August could be a little bit tougher for us. And that, that's really what's going to decide, I think, where production is going to fall this year. I just got thinking about marketing and, and just what you do, Randy, and working with farming and ranching families. And so a question that came to mind is paying the bills versus making money. And that's something that's always kind of bothered me is people are always like, oh, I just make enough to pay the bills. What's your, I don't know, what's your outlook on that? Um, because I don't think we should be in this operation to just pay the bills. Um, that statement kind of frustrates me. So what what do you tell people when that's maybe their outlook when it comes to marketing? You know, I, I guess I have a, a always a standard answer, and that is that the, the market's job is to find the least cost producer for any product that, that's out there, whether it's corn, beans, uh, widgets, whatever it is. The market's job is to find who will produce it at the least cost. The producer's job is to try to sell it at maximum price. So we try to maximize the price by looking at, you know, forward sales, carries, you know, different things in the market to, to be able to maximize the price we get because costs are something that are also a little bit variable that we don't always know. And we could get hit with an extra spray that we have to do on beans that we didn't anticipate in our budget, but we still have to be able to sell the crop to be able to pay for that. So what we try to do is try to maximize the profits as much as we can by using carries in the market and in different strategies that are available. Talking about those different strategies then, Looking at the cattle side, they've almost had the opposite story of the grains, which I guess that is kind of how it goes. But, you know, we've been looking at, I think, historically high prices or at least pretty, pretty close to that. Are we going to see a year here full of high prices still? Are we still going to be looking at that in the fall or are we going to, you know, have that inevitable crash that people people always talk about? Well, you know, the thing is, if you're up at a high level, it crash is probably not a, a bad word to be saying because we, we kind of saw that September to December when we sold off. It was a crash and the market has worked its way back nicely. And I do think cattle are going to continue to have decent prices going forward. You know, we saw the cattle inventory report continues to show uh, tight supplies. We're not expanding the herd. We're actually retracting. So I think all that is still building into this market and, and helping to support it. One of the other aspects, though, that we have to keep an eye on is what's going on with the economy. You know, we dropped in September because we started to see a little pushback in the economy, higher interest rates. Um, the packers not, you know, seeing a return and consumers pushing back at the grocery stores and the restaurants for, for beef. So we started to see demand start to dribble or, you know, drop a little bit. 
that's my fear right now is that, you know, we get too high priced. It's going to be easier for that consumer to buy pork or poultry instead of beef. So we have to stay competitive on price. The nice thing is pork has been going up along with the beef here this time. So we're starting to see them kind of compete with each other, you know, on, on the going higher. So that's one supportive thing. But I do think that cattle will continue to be strong uh, for another three years until we start building the herd. Uh, once we start seeing heifer retention, then I think the feeder cattle market could come under some pressure uh, the next year. But the fat cattle market will continue to see strong strength one more year because we're going to be taking those heifers out of the feedlots and keeping them for the breeding herd. And that will support the fat cattle market. So at this point, I would say we probably have three to five years of good prices. Right now, I do think the market is toppy and is tired. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of a retracement in the market. I do think that by the time we get into the, oh, probably that March, uh, late March, early April time, we'll start to see some strength come back in again. I think it will be tough, though, to set new, go much higher than the highs we've already seen. That's a, that's a much less global market. I mean, we bring, we obviously import cattle or beef, depending on which way you look at it, from south of us there, but, you know, do some exporting, et cetera. But are, do we not look quite as much at what, what's happening in other countries when we're, when we're looking at trends in the cattle market? You know, a lot of them have trimmed their cattle herds. You know, New Zealand, because of the carbon situation, they've actually cut back on their cattle herds a little bit. You know, we've seen some of that in things like Australia's also cut back their herd a little bit. Brazil has started to tear up their pasture and put it into cultivation. So they've trimmed back on their cattle herds a little bit. Now with the poorer economics in Brazil, they're starting to plant some of their land back to pasture. So we might see a little bit of an increase in, in their cattle herds again, you know, in the, in the short term. But uh, for the most part, we export uh, quite a bit of our beef. A lot of it's going to Japan. A lot of it's going to China. But we import a lot of feeder cattle from Mexico and Canada that goes into our feedlots. And that's kind of what's kept the feedlots full or at that above last year's levels is because of the calves we've been importing and putting into the feedlots. How far down is the U.S. herd population and approximately how many years do you think it's going to take to grow that back up? When you look at all cattle and calves, we're at the lowest uh, numbers that we've seen since 1951. When you look at it for just the beef cow side of things, we're at the lowest numbers for cattle since we, since 1961. Um, it's going to take years. And, and part of the trouble is that, you know, our cattle herd is aging. It's like the cattle men, you know, the, the, the rancher is aging. Um, you know, that means that we're not replacing the cows at a fast enough rate to take out some of the older, you know, poor producers. We keep, you know, she had a good calf. She did okay. I'm going to keep her next year type thing. There's a lot of that that's going on. And, and so the cattle herd is getting older. And at some point, we're going to age it out. And then we're going to be able to have a lot of replacements just the, for that point. So I think it's going to take at, at least uh, three and, and more likely five years to actually get to, a, a, I think, a level or a spot that the cattle markets are comfortable with numbers again. So, you know, you mentioned some of the overseas regulatory burdens that they're putting on livestock operations just to 
fit whatever carbon agenda is quote unquote they're trying to reach. And I just <laughs> side thing here, but I just watched a video of a French farmers parading on their capital with their tractors and spraying manure all over their courthouse with their manure spreader <laughs> because they weren't happy with the regulations they were facing. And so, you know, that, that's an interesting international outlook. And I'm glad that we haven't had to bring our tractor down to Bismarck and you know, spread manure on the on the front. Although I'm sure I'm sure we'd be willing to if we needed to. So <laughs> it might come to that now. But you know, the, that's the one nice thing is that you know our cattle markets have held up pretty good. So for the most part, the cattle guy's happy here right now. <laughs> Just thinking about what are the the top words of advice that you would have for getting a solid marketing plan in place that can withstand the different years, withstand the, you know, ups and downs of the market. What are the, what are like some of the steps part of having a really solid marketing plan for your operation? Whether it's grain or whether it be cattle, I think the big thing is, you know, know your cost of production, you know, know where you need to be at to, to start making that profit, you know, or, or sell at a profitable level. And like Alicia said, you know, you want to sell where you're making money, not just, you know, to cover the bills because, you want to be around the next year. The second thing is, is in writing a plan out and, and look at different levels that you were want to sell at and the time frame that you want to sell that at and use, you know, the seasonals of the market to kind of give you, help you with that. And then third is just have the discipline to, to stay with the plan. If the market's rallying, I know it's easy to say, oh, I'm going to cancel that order and wait till it goes higher. Well, maybe we shouldn't cancel the order, but maybe we should just, you know, maybe lower the percentage that we're selling but still keep that order in there and make that sale and, and, and advance that the sales for the product. So I think that's the, the three big things that producers should watch. It's very important, especially for the generation like Emery and I is coming in, just to know how important it is. Nowadays, like you can't just, my dad always jokes, you know, back in the day when he started farming, you could just farm and you just did it and there wasn't much thought into it. And now marketing is so, so important and very vital, a very vital part of the operation. And it's almost as important as knowing how to plant your crop, because like you said, you know, if you if you can't make money, then you won't exist the next year. So I think that's something really important, especially for young adults getting into farming or ranching or even businesses on their own is how to financially plan and how to prepare your taxes and just all the things that go into um, making a business run successfully. Correct. And, and don't look to hit the home run because very few people hit the home run. You know, base hits and doubles keep you in the game and, and keep you playing. And sometimes that's more important. Yeah. Right. And it can just be small steps as well. It doesn't have to be, I have to have this whole list and this huge marketing plan to make my operation successful. It can be a few things each year. And every year you're changing a little bit something different or tweaking something on your operation to make it a little more viable for you or whatever it may be. And so, yeah, that's a really good way to look at it is just making small tweaks every year to make your operation more successful. That's the number one thing we hear from young producers out there is you know, the number one thing I can add value to my parents' operation or any operation is to get some marketing skills. And that's the seems like the number one thing from parents even or the generation is, hey, I wish somebody would come along and mm -hmm. and help me improve my marketing strategy. So Or I wish somebody would go back to school yeah. <laughs> and get a degree in marketing and then come back. <laughs> So on that note, Randy, you know, you're up in 
Grand Forks today doing a session on on marketing and and strategies for the next year. And I, you were just telling me that you're doing one close to me here on the on the 29th. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, what you have to offer and how people can find you and and get some of these skills and decisions nailed down for for the year and then hopefully you know years to come. Yeah, I think like you mentioned, we're going to be doing we'll do a, a marketing and a crop insurance uh, presentation in uh, at Jamestown uh, on the 29th. You know, we basically cover you know what we're looking at in the marketplace right now and and what we see could be happening, kind of give an idea of what you know, potentials are for selling and, and pricing some more of your old crop and, you know, where to start pricing new crop. You know, that's kind of the things we'll touch on and, and any crop insurance changes or anything to look at as far as probably the most important risk management tool you have, and that is the crop insurance side. Um, and, you know, we look at the markets, like you said, you know, every day uh, we're studying them, watching what's going on. I have contacts in, in South America where I talk to and get their idea of what's going on with production and, and different things. So we, we kind of have a broad base of uh, uh, contacts that we can use to give us an idea of just not what's going on in the U.S., but everywhere else. And it helps us to then put together our research and, and, and form our ideas of what we're going to look at doing for setting targets for pricing. All right. Well, and then if you want to reach out to Randy Martinson and his team, I'll go ahead and put his phone number and email uh, other information in the show notes here. Well, thanks so much, Randy, for taking time with us. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in Jamestown in a in a week or so. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Straight Talk with NDFB. To learn more about Randy and Randy Martinson Egg Risk Management, check out the show notes and give him a call or visit his website. To contact Alicia and I, visit ndfb.org or email myself at emery at ndfb.org.